Welcome to GlitchCast, the first official podcast of GlitchUp.com. I'm Austin Linsmeyer, here with Andy Lavelle. We are two of the four that make up GlitchUp. If you haven't checked it out, go do that. We cover TV, movie, video game news, reviews, opinions, all that fun stuff. There's really good content. You should go hit it up. We started as a side project just to kill the time, talk about our thoughts on movies, TV, and video games. Ultimately, we all have our different reasons, but... We just wanted to share our passions for these forms of entertainment that everyone loves and enjoys every single day. So here we are, expanding into audio. It'll be a bit rough at first, but bear with us. We'll get it down. Hopefully you'll like it as much as we do. This week, we'll talk some TV, movie news, and then tackle the behemoth that is it. Let's roll. So to start off, probably the biggest news of the week, which is J.J. Abrams returning to direct Star Wars Episode Nine, replacing Colin Trevorrow. And then also that release getting pushed back to December. Originally it was going to be in May of 2019. Now it's December. All right. What are your thoughts, man? Bring back the lens flare. I know. Thank God. What, what am I supposed to do without feeling like I have to wear sunglasses in the theater? <laughs> right. This is well known if you know me. I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I think I think Lord of the Rings is the better trilogy in all trilogies, but Star Wars is, is a classic, it's legendary, it did so much for sci-fi and just blockbusters in general. That said, Force Awakens, I loved it. Even though people are like, oh, it's just repeating all the same story beats mm-hmm. of A New Hope, I don't care. I thought it was awesome. That makes me excited for J.J. Abrams returning, especially because Trevor O is... Did you like Jurassic World? Jurassic World is good if you view it purely as... I need to watch something while I shove popcorn in my mouth. But other than that, it's nothing special. There's no crazy shots. There's no, like, enter- like really right. cool Same. images. Like, Kong Skull Island. There was really cool cinematography in that movie. But Jurassic World didn't really have that. It was just purely entertaining, which is helped by the fact that Chris Pratt is in it, making jokes yep. all the time, and there's dinosaurs running around. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. It doesn't hold a candle to the first one. Maybe it's better than The Lost World. It's definitely better than Jurassic Park 3. I think I really like Safety Not Guaranteed by Trevor Rao, and I don't I don't know if like he just lucked into Jurassic World and was in over his head. What what's the what's the down low and why he was replaced? Why he like was he fired? Did he leave on his own terms? So that's up in the air. Um, I think it's up to interpretation based on what right. you think Star Wars, Lucasfilms, and Disney executives think. Back in what was that June? Chris Miller and Phil Lord got kicked off of the Han Solo movie, and that was sort of the same situation because they said, we're leaving due to creative differences, no bad blood, all this stuff, but then it came out after the fact that they were doing a lot more improvisation, they weren't really following the script, and that they weren't really adhering to what Kathleen Kennedy, the executive at Lucasfilms, wanted from the movie, and they essentially got fired. It feels like Trevorrow might have gotten fired as well, but it was the same reasoning again. Yeah. He did just put out the Book of Henry, which is just like this small family drama. Did you see it? I heard it was trash. I didn't see it, but apparently it is terrible. Like the di- the, the direction is apparently like one of the worst directed movies in the past few years. And that could be why. <laughs> it seems weird that it would take him this long to get rid of him. But I imagine 
that has to be playing into it. Yeah. I think it's just, it's a bad look if they say we are parting ways and like we fired him like two in a row for two big movies. It doesn't instill a lot of confidence at, you know, with Lucasfilms and like your fans are going to start getting worried. So I think they kept it kind of ambiguous and they brought Abrams back because he is a proven, you know, he's at least competent enough to get the biggest movie franchise off the ground after Lucas essentially pissed on it and like made it shit. So I think bringing him back was a wise choice versus just trying another director that may or may not do well. Like we know Abrams is good enough to put out a movie like Force Awakens. And I think he'll take all of that criticism like, hey, this is a lot of the same beats of A New Hope and, and you know, turn it into a really good end to this trilogy. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Because I've seen a lot of people get upset that he's yeah. coming back as if they could have just gotten like Steven Spielberg yeah. for it or something. Because of the problems that he had with The Force Awakens, but he's kind of owned up to it. Do you think that's a legitimate thing and he's going to correct on him or do you think it's just going to be... First off, let me open another beer. We are. Uh, this is our first podcast, so we're, we're doing a little drinking. It's it's like almost four o'clock in, in Chicago and same thing. And also, it's Saturday. Right, it's Saturday. So there, there's we can drink anytime we want. We're fucking adults. <laughs> um, I think it's unwarranted. Like He's a human being. He's a much more competent director than the armchair fans out there saying, like, oh, we're mad that he's back. He's going to take the criticisms and make a better movie. He's not an idiot. He, I think he played it very, very safe and didn't go too crazy with A New Hope. Or I'm sorry, uh, Force Awakens. And he, he's going to take uh, all that and, and run with it and make a, a lot, much better movie. We can cut that. That's such a perfect slip up, though. It is. It is. You know what? Let's keep it in. <laughs> I'm keeping it in. <laughs> yeah, but I think Rian Johnson is going to, uh, he's going to take some, some risks and make uh, some changes. And, you know, the, the table will be set for, uh, for JJ to come in and, and kill it, the, the final movie. It's interesting that Ryan Johnson has... Ryan? Ryan? Is it Ryan? Dude, I don't fucking know. I mean, it's like R-I-A-N. Yeah, weird-ass <laughs> name. But the, he's really been vocal about having a fair amount of creative control over the movie, uh, over The Last Jedi. Mm. Do you think that's true, or do you think that, that he's just kind of saying that to say it? You think that's the narrative they're pushing? Like, hey guys, it's not going to be The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think we'll know very, very soon here. Obviously, I'm not. We're getting off topic here, but I'm not planning on watching the next trailer. Are you? I watched all the trailers for Force Awakens, and I watched the teaser. But I think I'm gonna go in essentially the rest of the way blind. I mean, it, if you uh, if you check out GlitchUp.com every Friday, I do a trailer roundup for the listeners here. So check that out because there's a lot of trailers that come out every week, and it's kind of hard to. Watch them all. Watch them and all. so I watch yeah. them all. So I might watch it. I don't really want to. So maybe when it does come out, I'll just be like, I didn't watch this. Up to you. Like, there's not really that much more yeah. that I can Here's add the link. into a new Star Wars trailer that people don't already think or know. So, yeah, I guess I don't really want anything else spoiled for me. Yeah. Same here. All right. Let's move on. Uh, I think we're that's the biggest news of the week by far, and we've spent a good amount of time on it. I think we're all we're all thinking this is a safe choice for Abrams to come back, and, and he'll do an okay job. He's not going to fuck it up. He might not blow our minds either. So we'll see what happens. So Liam Neeson is retiring from action films, although a trailer dropped this week with Liam Neeson in an action film. So what are your thoughts on this? To, to be fair, Andy, it's more of a thriller than an action. He's not a straight up just FBI. He will get into a fight anything. this movie. Oh, guaranteed. Like a knife fight, and he'll be awesome at it. Midway through the trailer, he just has a bloody nose and, like, a beat-up eye. It's like he just murdered someone. Right, he, like, just kicked, like, five people's asses at the (laughs) same time. Yeah. It should be interesting. It's kind of... He's, like, the old man action guy, and he sort of created this 
genre of old man action movies in the past 10 years mm-hmm. or so once taken came out he kind of ran off with it it rebooted his career now i guess tom cruise is kind of in that age range but tom cruise is ageless so he looks like he's he's nowhere near saying i'm done with yeah, action also movies. he looks like, like he's 40 years old maybe 35 right so right it'll be interesting to see he's a hot old yeah, it'll be interesting to see <laughs> who picks it up and what exactly liam neeson is going to turn back to after this i guess just straight dramas but It'll be interesting. Schindler's List 2. (laughs) Bad joke. Let's move on. (laughs) Yeah, I I think he says this, but he'll still do like one or two more. Did it it say any reason why? Like his body can't take it anymore? Or just like, I don't want to be shoehorned into this role. I want to go back to that more serious uh, actor. I mean, after taking two and three, like a lot of people just see that shit and they're like, this is silly. I think it was the physicality of it. Yeah. Okay. Not that he's doing a ton of his own stunts, I don't think. But yeah. Still, you kind of have to be a little more active. So, And he's kind of getting up there in age. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, after that, we have a couple smaller segments of news and some trailers that we want to hit. So, Shape of Water poster and Red Band trailer came out. The new Guillermo del Toro movie. What are your thoughts on that? I'm kind of iffy. I don't really know. All right. So, first things first. This is not the prequel to Hellboy. The the creature she falls in love with is not Abe Sapien from Hellboy 1 and 2 or you know the reboot I mean Del Toro's awesome and I think this looks very interesting but very weird like this woman's in love with this fishy sea creature thing is it rated R yeah okay I think this could be very interesting like is she gonna have sex with this thing like I think so <laughs> really? there, was an, there was an interview I saw oh with del Toro and he was like it's really hard to romanticize a woman with a weird sea creature yeah but you know it works out and also they fuck and I was like whoa that's weird <laughs> okay well yeah I mean I think this looks very different and we're always down for something new and different I hope it does well because that encourages not you know yet another sequel but you know, I, I don't really want to see a sea creature and a woman have sex. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, not not really all in <laughs> on that. What is interesting for me with the movie, though, regardless of sea creature sex and human sex, whatever, is that bestiality? I don't know. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting with me for this is that it actually seems like it could connect with the general public and audiences, that it could be a big box office hit. It's not, like, too weird that it's going to push people off because there's still like this like romantic element to it kind of like this dreamlike element and fantasy element but still a like this this creature is rising up not going to be held down captive anymore and i think people kind of really like that (laughs) this is kind of like a weird connection but it kind of reminds me of hidden figures from last year which not a fantasy movie but it's a bunch of women whatever rising up Mm -hmm. uh above being put down and sort of similar to that and i guess right. sort of like the color the way it's shot reminds me of like just a very basic periodical piece and people love period pieces so yeah until tor is always really 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 good at um creature design so I, I have a feeling the creature itself is going to be really cool like my favorite type of i mean this isn't a horror movie but my favorite type of horror movies like creature features and i think the creature looks cool i've never seen a, a creature romance so um sign me up i'll probably see it in the theaters i'm not gonna lie for the sex scene alone. Oh, yeah. I must see. 
<laughs> so next we got John Wick 3 has a release date now, which is May 2019. Did you check out John Wick 2? I did. I've seen them both. And, uh, you know, I'm a fan. I think the action is great. Obviously, Keanu Reeves is an action star till that I wonder when he'll say I'm done doing action movies. I thought John Wick 1 was a really, really big surprise. Um, very good direction. Awesome gunfights. John Wick 2, for me, was a little... He's invincible. My God, like, what is his kill count in that movie? Like, 634? Like, insane. There was like five times he should have died. I know. So, I think they're onto something here. Like, they know that they have a good action hero, probably making good money. Uh, I'm probably going to see this. Yeah, no, I'm into it. And they definitely have to wrap it up, especially after John Wick 2 ended, with like, literally everyone is out to kill him. The whole world going after him. running through Central Park, and it's just like everyone is looking at him because their cell phones are buzzing that there's a contract out for him. It's like, okay. So is everybody in the world a contract killer, I, I guess? Mean, that's what like, it seems it like. It seemed like yeah. it with that ending. And he, they're like, we'll give you a two-minute head start. He's like, all right, <laughs> bye. And then, again, it feels like he's invincible. He's like, all right, I got to run. But also, he's like limping. Like, oh, I'm actually a little bit hurt. But he, you know he's right. going to murder everyone. So. Is it in his dogs with him, yeah, too? Yeah, still. Right? They better not kill that damn dog again. If they kill another dog? Mm. People are going to like that. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the Keanu Reeves thing where he literally looks like five different people throughout the history of the world? <laughs> no, but I can see it. I love Keanu Reeves memes. There's like a Civil War soldier from like whatever, the 1800s, and he looks identical to Keanu Reeves, and it's weird. I have not, but uh, let's do let's do a post about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll write that up so everyone can check it out and sort of be freaked out by his immortality. Next up, we have Terminator 6. Apparently, they're still making Terminators. And Tim Tim Miller is directing, the guy that directed Deadpool. He's a fine director, but... Mm -hmm. Great director, but but why? But why? Genesis Genesis sucked. I didn't see it. I'm not going to lie. It looks so bad. It was so bad. They ended it on a cliffhanger for some reason. Just be like, oh, we're going to put out another one. But also, it kind of feels like Terminator 6 isn't even going to be related to it. I have no strong feelings either way. Like, I've never been the biggest Terminator fan. Obviously, the first two are, are great, great pieces. Uh-huh. I did not see this. It looked really bad. Daenerys as a, a badass, like, it just didn't look good at all. And it, it just felt like a cash-in. And, you know, if, if they go a completely different direction, Tim Miller, like, he obviously did great with Deadpool. And people didn't think that would be any good, an R-rated superhero movie. So... Hey, maybe it's maybe it's a fresh take that's going to land. Yeah, it, it could work. And I think James Cameron actually somehow got the rights just entirely to Terminator. So he gets to decide like when they're going to make a movie and gets to produce it. So that might help, hopefully. But <laughs> still, it just kind of feels like every single story beat with Terminator has been done. The world's going to end. Robots are going to take over. We get it. Is Arnold, I mean, is he back again? No idea if you Arnold's know, coming back. No casting yeah, news? No. Okay. I have no idea if he's back for this next one. All right, well, let's get into trailers of the week. Uh, you do a trailer wrap-up every Friday, so hopefully you guys have seen some of these. Let's just uh, go through the list. Let's do it. Downsizing is first, the new Alexander Payne movie. He uh, made The Descendants, Sideways. He makes really good movies. I love The Descendants, the George Clooney one. It was a good balance between drama and comedy and just sort of people just being weird. Which is kind of what I'm getting from the sense of downsizing. We got Matt Damon shrinking down to help out the overpopulation of the world. He's shrunk down to like six centimeters tall. And because of that, his net worth is like 12 million instead of 45,000 or something like that. Seems interesting. Interesting concept. I, I saw the trailer. I had not heard of this this film. And 
yeah, I was bought in. I was like, this is like, I feel like this is something that could happen. <laughs> and like, like everybody would jump on it, right? Because mm-hmm. it makes sense. Resources are way more available when you're one seven hundredth of the size, whatever the fuck the ratio is. Like, yeah. it's an interesting concept. Um, Kristen Wiig is in it. Um, she She's good at dramedies and, and the like. So I'll see this movie. I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. Speaking of dramedies, we got Jason Sudeikis is in it as well. Sure. And he was in Colossal. And he was a fucking asshole in Colossal. <laughs> Which I think you can suspect that he would be good at that, just based on everything else that he's done. But he was phenomenal. It was crazy. Like, he was the biggest asshole I've ever seen on film in my life. Wow. Without being like, that person's a murderer. Wow. And I didn't fully hate him. It was weird. I need to see that flick then. Yeah, no. It's it's an interesting one. Next up, we got The Disaster Artist, which is based on a book of the same name. Memoir of the same name, I guess. Based on the movie The Room. And we've talked about this... Neither of us have seen The Room. No, but uh, do you want to do the impression? If not, I'm going to. You go for it. I did not hit her. I did not. I did not. Oh, hey, Mark. That's That's my Tommy Wiseau impression. I'm going to be honest. It's pretty good. (laughs) Um, No, The Room. So it's apparently one of the worst movies of all time, like the worst movie of all time. I definitely need to watch it as a movie buff. I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen it. I was blown away that this was being made, but then I saw the talent behind it and I said, fuck it, this could be funny. It's weird because James Franco directs somehow like 10 movies a year or something like that. Some weird amount of movies a year, but they're all like weird little indies or like something that you think just like would be a student film, which might be, I don't know, he might still be in fucking school. I have no idea. He's just going to like (laughs) Yale, UCLA and like NYU all at the same time. So who knows? But he was doing this and then like, Every single person that is in a comedy show or has been in a comedy movie is, like, in it. It's like Seth Rogen. It's like all his cronies, but then you also have, like, Paul Shear, Jason Manzoukas from The League, um, Zac Efron's in it, Dave Franco's in it, obviously, and I just, like, everyone is in it. It's insane. Yeah. It, it, I think it'll be funny. I think it'll be funnier if you've seen the movie. But, yeah, I, I think your, your trailer uh-huh. write-up about it was good, like... I didn't know that he was like super into movies and like this was his passion. He's like, screw it. Let's do our own movie. We'll make it good. So like, I think, you know, we're really, really into movies and I think it'll be interesting to see some guy who obviously doesn't have the talent to be an actor and what he goes through to, to follow his passion. I think it'll have more heart than people are thinking. Yeah. And that is what's, that's what's been coming out of TIFF Toronto International Film Fest is everyone is like, oh, it's really funny, but also, Wow. It's actually kind of touching a little bit. So that's interesting. Yeah, so yeah. that should make it a big player, especially because the Oscars, the Academy loves movies about movies. So yep. ironically, somehow it could the worst movie in the world could spawn an Oscar Best Picture nomination. <laughs> that Wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> um, speaking of Oscars, we got, I think a few of these could be going into it. So we got All the Money in the World is the next trailer of the week. Kevin Spacey plays oh, J. Yeah. Paul Getty, John Paul Getty. Yeah, um, who was yeah. like the richest man in the world at some point, and his grandson gets kidnapped, and they request seventeen million dollars, and Kevin Spacey as J. Paul Getty says, "I'm not paying a dime." Yeah, it looked interesting. I don't know much about the history of it, but uh, I didn't even recognize Kevin Spacey nope. till the end, and they revealed that that was him. I know. Uh, yeah, it looked like a, a cool suspenseful thriller, and I'll probably learn something that you know I didn't know. Yeah, I'll take it. I said this in my trailer roundup, but Kevin Spacey is really good at playing just the worst type of like boss man asshole man in power kind of thing especially after frank underwood for fucking what feels like a million years now 
Yep. So this mm-hmm. is perfect for him, and he's heavily prosthetic'd up. So maybe he's making a run for best actor. Who knows? This is yeah. He's he's Daniel Day Lewising it. Yeah. We got Red Sparrow as next as Jennifer Lawrence, Joel Edgerton, and sort of this like Soviet spy thriller kind of thing. Yeah, it it looked interesting. I I saw the trailer without knowing anything about it, and I was like, okay, J Law is sitting on a bed. She looks kind of like a prostitute. Like, what is going on here? And then she fucks this guy up. Uh, yeah, it looks like Atomic Blonde, but with Jennifer Lawrence, a little less stylistic, and set in the Soviet like KGB type era. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the Americans, so if it's I di- I didn't read into like what exactly it's about, but yeah, I think it looks interesting. Yeah, I'll take it. Joel Edgerton generally picks really good movies, so I'm excited for it. The trailer was entertaining enough that i think it should be good and it's coming out next year probably in the spring which means it's going to clean up at the box office so yep so i'm in talked about the commuter with liam neeson he's on a train as a commuter and vera farmiga comes in (laughs) vera (laughs) farmiger and she's like i'm a behavioral psychologist or something like that uh, there's yeah. $75,000 in the bathroom. You can go grab it. You have to find the one person on this train that doesn't belong. Yeah, I don't, what what does that mean? Like, does he have to kill them? Like, yeah, like this person's the fattest one on the train. They don't belong. <laughs> like, what is his... Once he finds the person, does he tell... Like, I was pretty confused about what happens in that part, but, like, the rest of it, I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Yeah, I don't... This feels like what you just said could be very easily parodied. Like, it's just a train of healthy people, and there's one fat person who's like, right. well... well your day's over or just like pick pick an ethnicity that is the only one on the train like is it that easy or does he have to like murder them i was very unclear about what the goal is to win that money and it looks like he takes the money yeah and then has to pay for the ramification like i don't i don't really know what's going on there but yeah there's there's some weird stuff it's a lot of twisty turny um it looks essentially like a b movie elevated a little bit and so just it's just gonna be entertaining probably not like really good for critics looking into it but it should be entertaining what was the one with him on the plane Nonstop. Yes, nonstop. So nonstop is a sequel to this movie, and this movie is a prequel to the Taken series, right? That's that's what I've heard. Is that no? the that's the fan theory? Yes, I could see it. Okay, <laughs> maybe. Well, so he's doing. He's got a train. He's got a plane. What's going to be next? An automobile? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then he reboots planes, trains, and automobiles. Yes, that's with easy. him. Him as John Candy. Yes, this R.I.P. <laughs> it's, it's a good career move. Retire from action. Last, we have Fifty Shades Freed, which is the third Jesus Fifty Shades Christ. of Grey movie. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Jesus. I have a lot of problems with these movies. I don't even want to get into it. Everyone has problems with these movies. Not even, like, the movies themselves, but the book and what it teaches women and, like, just every... I don't even want to talk about it, really. Yeah. But, like, I watched the trailer. I laughed. My wife laughed. She didn't even know the second one came out, even though she read the books. I don't know. I just, I don't know, I don't know how it got to this point. It's, like, some, like, weird, like, thriller thing now, not even, like, a sexual drama. Like, he kidnaps and... her at the end? Is this, like, rape play or something? Like, uh, so, at the end of the day, I think Char- Charlie Hunman made the right choice uh, stepping down as uh, Christian Grey. Yeah. He saved a lot of a face there. We will move into TV news now. We got the Curb Your Enthusiasm trailer, which is up first. I haven't watched Curb yet which is kind of sad, but I've heard it's really funny. I've had a couple of roommates be like, you really need to watch this. I'm like, okay, maybe sometime. And I've seen the pretty, pretty, pretty good pretty thing a million good. times. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, looks, it looks really good. I'm really happy it's back. I just finished my like ninth rewatch of the entire series ever, like like two months ago. Just been slowly rewatching the whole series. One of my favorite comedies of all time. 
it's essentially Seinfeld for this day and age. Larry David is a very, very horrible person. The one thing I didn't, I got from this trailer is like, he's kind of becoming a parody of himself. Like he's always been a bad person, but he's been trying to be good. And in his mind, he's being a good person. It's just, it's just everything turns against him. He's a victim of circumstance. In this trailer, he's seen just like kind of a dick. And I don't, I just hope he doesn't become what Homer Simpson became on the Simpsons. Like Homer Simpson always was a good dude. And he just was a fucking oaf asshole. Um, in the movie and the, the more recent Simpsons episodes, he's just an asshole. And I hope that's not what Larry David becomes. That being said, I can't take this too seriously. It's Curb Your Enthusiasm. I, I'm pumped it's back. Um, it, it should be fucking hilarious. It looks entertaining. I might just straight up watch the new season without watching anything else. So you you wouldn't you'd be fine doing yeah. that. There's not a lot of backstory. There's some recurring jokes and stuff, but we got Black Mirror season four premiere date finally, which will be in December. And you know, I'm I'm excited for it. I love Black Mirror. The third season kind of left a little bit to be desired. I think I think there was only a couple. There's maybe maybe half the season I enjoyed. How many episodes was the last season? Six. Yeah, with all six, I feel like I only remember like two. Yeah, I. I watched, there was like a B one, which I think was the last one. It was like these like Twitter bees or something. And I watched it and I was just like, what the fuck is going on? And someone was trying to explain it to me. I was like, this is stupid as shit. And they're like, no, it's so good. Just watch. And I was like, no, I refuse. Obviously the San Juniper, San Junipero. That's the standout. That one really stuck with me. Thought about it for days. Loved it. If they get a couple of those uh, really outside of the box ones, which I expect nothing less from Black Mirror. uh, Very, very excited for that. (laughs) main points of each of the episodes are out um there's gonna be a black and white episode uh there's like a weird episode that's based on like a pen and teller or pen short story that he wrote or something and the charlie brooker the guy that made black mirror saw it and was like hey i want to sort of use this idea you want to work with me on this and they kind of worked on it and then he just made it um and that one actually sounds really interesting i think it's about doctors can do this thing where they take the pain from someone so they can diagnose what exactly it is and people get like addicted to it and then <laughs> of course all this kind of weird stuff so which is natural for black mirror it's got to be dark it should be interesting with black mirror because like you said san junipero was the standout and that was much more feel good than any black mirror episode ever yeah yeah most of them are depressing and we won't get into spoilers too much on that episode in case you haven't seen it but um it was very unlike uh, many black mirror episodes mm-hmm. yeah so i'm excited and Yep. Should be interesting. December release date. Be ready for it. Another Netflix news. Uh, they wanted to shoot Stranger Things season three and four, which I didn't even know they were doing season three and four uh, for officially um, back to back because the kids would still be kids. So they can whatever mess up the contracts, do whatever they want to do, save a little bit of money, but also make money because, you know, you really want to milk it while it's strong. But the creators, yep. the Duffer brothers who write the series and direct it a little bit and then sean levy and someone else who are the executive producers just were like no we're not doing that did they did they why like it makes sense you want them to be kids not nasty teenagers i think because they said that the story doesn't necessarily require them to be kids because the seasons are self-contained or at least that's the plan so if they want the kids to grow up a little bit they can just turn the story into them in the 90s as teenagers it's not Netflix's story, though. Like, it's the Duffer Brothers. If they have a story in mind that revolves around the kids and they don't have, like, puberty in mind, like, you want to shoot it when they're kids. No, 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 no. So Netflix wanted them to do that, to shoot it as kids. The creators rejected Oh! Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so 
it's good because they're like retaining creative control, all that stuff. Um, and then apparently all the kids are going to like try and re-up contracts, even though technically they're signed on for another two seasons. They're just going to try and be like, yeah, we're not doing this unless we get paid way more. So Interesting. Well, when does that come back? That is uh, the end of October. October, yeah. right? Man, that's a right around the corner. I know. God, I'm so pumped. A perfect release date, too. Yes, for sure. It's genius. And then lastly, we got... The Lore Podcast TV adaptation, which is going to be on Amazon. If you haven't checked out Lore, it's essentially a... You know, I don't even know how to describe it. Do you want to try and describe it? It Yeah, it's it's a spooky, too spooky for me podcast. And it's real... And what I why I think it's spooky is it's real life shit. Like, it's, 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 it's folklore. It's stuff that has happened. And it's it goes into exactly how and why it happened. It's cults. It's um, it's it's ant like creatures that people had said they saw. It's it's murders. It's um, kidnappings. It's real life shit. And any time that you think it might be paranormal, the narrator tries to go in and tell you, "Here's exactly what happened. Here's why it's not paranormal." It's a really interesting podcast about real life um, horror and spooky stuff that's happened. And and did you watch the trailer? I did. Yeah. Yeah, it looks okay. I think I recognize like a couple actors in the trailer. I think if uh, I think it could be pretty spooky compared to stuff like American Horror Story, where it's just like flamboyant, obnoxious, like horror. Where this is more down to earth, like this shit actually happened, and, and here's the, the the history behind it. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I you told me about Laura, so that's why I started listening to it like two years ago, and I was really into yeah. it just when I was like coming down to Chicago a lot, flying back and forth. So it was nice because they're perfect half hour thing. So I could listen to like four for the entire commute. Mm -hmm. But I kind of, I don't know, I kind of lost it and I started listening again. And it's been, I I do like when he sort of dispels the paranormal side of it. And he's like, yeah, this is why that probably isn't happening. That's not possible. But then there's ones where he's just kind of like, he just goes into like the history. There was one he was going into the history of like a town. There was just like this weird guy that convinced a bunch of kids to, he like stole a bunch of kids. It was like a Krampus like thing for christmas but ultimately it was just the town like let their kids leave or something like that and i was like oh that's kind of interesting but like he didn't say that until the very end which okay cool twist at the end but the first 25 minutes was him talking 20 minutes was him talking about just the town's history and all this weird stuff and i was like i don't really care about that i'd much rather just hear about the spooky aspects of it or the weird aspects of it yeah i was into it for like the first like 20 or 30 episodes Mm -hmm. and then Sometimes he would be telling, he'd tell like three or four epi- stories per episode, and I, I would kind of lose track of which story I was listening to. I was like, are these part of the same? Am I on the third story now? Yeah, when it, when he talks about the spooky stuff, I really like it. But yeah, he can get very, very history heavy, and sometimes I just I lose it then. Yeah. Uh, pro tip, listen to it in October when you know the seasons are changing and uh, your scary movies are out, trailers are out, and everything's kind of spooky. It's, it's, it's a fun podcast to listen to in October. Yeah, and we don't want to turn into a podcast that talks about podcasts because that seems pretentious. So let's (laughs) move on to the next thing. You know, from time to time, we're going to talk about video games and video game news of the week. Uh, I don't play enough video games, honestly, to probably talk about anything. We're going to skip it this week. Uh, In the future, we'll have co-creator Pat Lavelle, Matt Chandler on potentially to chat about the video game news of the week. But for this week, we're just going to move along to the topic of the week, which I'll let you introduce. We actually saw two movies this week. I saw two movies. Andy saw one. First, we're going to talk about It, which is obviously the big movie right now. Stephen King novel, apparently one of the best Stephen King novels. Uh, I haven't read it. I know you read it, Andy. Cleaning up at the box office, setting just incredible records, cleaning Mm -hmm. up on Rotten Tomatoes, audience scores. 
we saw it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, we're going to try to do like a what we like, what we didn't like, and then go into what we think uh, is going to happen for the sequel and our expectations. So I saw it last night, so it's still fresh on the mind. I'm a little late here, but I had a great time. My wife has a clown phobia, and somehow people convinced her to go because they told her it was less about a scary movie about a clown and more about these kids' biggest fears. And the kids themselves really is what this movie is about, not it. I think the kids were great. She had a great time. A lot of the clown scenes, she was, you know, she had her eyes closed and everything. But overall, I I really liked it. What about you? I loved it. Yeah. Like, really loved it. Yeah. And there was, (laughs) this is going to be a weird part of it. There was a moment in probably the last 45 minutes that some dude sitting behind me took off his shoes. And the fuck? It just smelled bad. I was like, (laughs) bro put them back on and i just like i'd like turn my face a certain way to avoid the smell and in spite of that i still loved it that's like sarah that's my wife sarah's personal it is foot odor and nasty feet so uh that would have made her walk out of the theater so let's let's go over what we liked uh do you want to lead us off i think the the script was really good and honestly i don't know if a lot of the jokes were in the script or improvised but the comedy was phenomenal it was perfect for like those in-between moments when honestly you were going just 100 miles per hour and then just stop back to like the kids being together and then it was hilarious and then you went to one of the kids being alone we saw their fear fucking terrifying and then drop back to comedy again it was it was perfect and i really liked how they sort of did the camaraderie and of the kids in that group and sort of yeah how about richie from uh he was the stranger kids thing he i think he stole the show really really great wisecracks uh dropping f-bombs left and right which you don't really see kids uh dropping those in movies you know you don't really see kids get murdered in movies which you know kind of spoilers that happens here um I, I, yeah, I thought the kids were great. And that leads me into my first point is, is the casting of the kids. I read the book. I've read almost 30, 40 Stephen King novels. He's my favorite author. For me, the casting was on point. Um, all these kids were, were great. They were great actors. And, and nothing ruins a, a good movie more than shitty kid actors, at least for me. Yeah. So the fact that they were all great, there, were, there really wasn't one weak link except for the character of Mike, the black guy, who really didn't get a very good backstory. I feel like he had some scenes cut because he was a lot more important in the book. But yeah, yeah, the kids were great. I thought they were fucking hilarious. And um, their interactions with everybody and just their camaraderie really reminded me of the camaraderie of like Stand By Me and uh, the Goodies and stuff like that. Yeah. With casting, I do want to say this. So everyone is talking about Richie, Stranger Things kid. Everyone loves him. He was hilarious. I think the Eddie kid was funnier. Oh, yeah. That was Sarah's favorite as well. She is in love with that kid. She, he's just every time like they're getting into some shit. He's just like, you guys, I'm telling you, this is good. I'm going to get like a scab and it's going to get infected. Like he was so funny. His his his, his comedic timing was on was on point. Yeah, it, it was really impressive. I don't know if that was the direction or those kids are just all really good actors, but that was fucking phenomenal yeah (laughs) yeah uh my first point that i want to say is what i really liked is the soundtrack when you think of horror movies you don't really think of the soundtrack and there was a lot of the score that not the soundtrack but the score that i really liked you know there was like flute arrangements and like it just seemed like almost a stephen king or not not a stephen king movie but like a john williams movie like i felt like i was watching et as the kids were biking around i feel like the the score was really really good the the composer did a reddit ama earlier this week and that was really interesting to see how he did it he did what was it called a cure for wellness earlier this year which i saw i didn't really like but the score was very creepy and eerie and it's clear that he understands how to do 
scores for horror movies and seeing sort of his thinking behind some of the scenes was really interesting. It was the score was really good because especially the way that it changes from just being like, oh, this is these kids. And then, oh, it's oh, scary as shit. Oh, it's these kids again. Was It didn't feel like that quick of a drop off between those high intensity scenes. So that was that really helped in the entertainment of the movie. Yeah, on top of the soundtrack, I thought the sound design was really good too. A lot of the, the noises that Pennywise makes uh, were really creepy. And I think while we'll get into what I didn't like, a lot of the loud noises were were they weren't just like just like disgust like just loud noises obnoxious loud noises they were actually interesting and sometimes were actually part of what was going on in the scene what else did you like before we into to what we didn't like i think bill skarsgård as pennywise was really good yep a lot of people were like really worried like is he going to hold a, a candle to tim curry yeah he was a he was a good balance between like this kind of thing that little kids might enjoy or that like a yep. weird different dimensional being would think that kids might enjoy to actually terrifying the first scene oh my god that was (laughs) fucking crazy i not really a spoiler um because they revealed in the trailer but you you get really you get introduced to it very quickly like they they start off you know guns firing what's what's kind of crazy about it is that that might be the worst i shouldn't say worst scene in the movie the like the most shocking scene of the movie is probably that scene. I was not expecting to see that. Yeah. So I guess moving forward, we'll have a format on like how and when we're going to get into spoilers, but we'll try and keep it top level here as to not spoil much. But yeah, they jump into the horror aspect of this movie very quickly. And there's a, there's a pretty good cadence of downtime and then right back to horror. It seems like there's like a minimum requirement of like horror every eight to 10 minutes. And then you get a little bit of downtime in the kids bonding and then immediately back to like a horror scene, which I thought was great for me. I was exhausted after seeing this movie. I was laughing. I was like on the edge of my seat. I was tense. Really, really fun stuff. Yeah. It was a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. Definitely. Let's talk about what we didn't like. Unless there's anything else that you want to go over that you want to, as far as like the director, the ending, the, the, the act anything else no i don't think there's anything more that i can really go into without just being like i love this movie so yeah it's a great haunted house ride yeah uh what did uh, let's you go like? into what we yeah so my big thing that i didn't like is this is the i think this director is like forte he directed mama and then i think a short that mama was inspired by mm-hmm. yep where the scary thing runs at the camera i saw it in the trailer and i thought i kind of laughed which was not their desired intention. The first time they revealed Pennywise charging at the camera, you know, his hair is going everywhere. It's kind of shaking back and forth. I didn't really like the scary thing runs at camera multiple times. Uh, So that was my first problem with it. I can, I can get on board with that. The, you see the scene in the trailer when he's in the, when Bill is in the basement, you'll float too. Yeah. And then then Pennywise just comes out, which was creepy because I didn't notice this during the movie, but I saw this on on Reddit, someone commented this. was like, did you notice that Pennywise sort of had his hand up like the back of... Did not notice that until I saw the movie. Yeah, of yeah. the little brother's yeah. back or whatever, which makes it really weird and creepy. It's essentially puppeting him, yeah. Yeah, and then they kind of ruin it by him just like doing his weird like freaking out and shaking, running at you thing. Yep. I'm like, sometimes I'm okay with it. I think the scariest part in the Mama movie was when the Mama fucking just shoots directly at her but how many times does that happen in the movie probably once it it only happens i think it happens maybe once or twice but the first time they do it they really build up to it and then it happens which makes it 
really sort of frightening. Yeah. As for this one, like you know it's coming. You and... saw it in the trailer. Yeah. And, and then it happens multiple times, and I just mm-hmm. thought it got cheap after a while. Yeah. Anything else for you that you didn't like? I've got a couple more. I I do have a similar one to you. the The movie is really good, and the final. 20 minutes or so whatever you want to call it i don't think they're as good as the rest of the movie um as you say the weak final fight i get sort of the the reasoning that it's like that it's sort of the kids banding together after sort of being broken apart and shows that their bond is really strong but it just kind of it wasn't like scary it was just kind of whatever and it also felt like honestly pennywise could have beaten them so yeah so i don't want to get into too much as far as like book versus movie all the changes but like this is a this is an interdimensional being. This is almost a god. Like he could fuck these kids up. And like you the audience is probably wondering like why doesn't he turn into a bazooka and just fuck the, these kids up? Like he's turning into all these different things. And yes, there are reasons why he can't. Like he can only turn into things that these people fear, but it just seemed like they they fucked him up pretty quickly and pretty easily. And then I don't want to get into the ending and exactly what happens, but yeah, I think the third act suffered a little bit. There's a lot of book changes that were really questionable, which I won't get into, but first and second act, very, very strong third act I thought was was kind of weak. How do you feel about the the changes from the book and how it sort of compares to the book? Because I believe in the book, it kind of goes back and forth between the kids and the adults, right? It does, and I know why they did it, like... I'm really excited to see the adult version of It Part 2. I'm hoping they don't make It Part 2 a two-movie thing, but Mm -hmm. let's not put it past them. I'm I'm (laughs) guessing that's going to happen. I think it's fine the way they did it. It didn't hurt the movie at all. There were some changes from the book to the movie that were really questionable. For example, there was never a scene where Ben kisses Bev, and that brings her back to life. There was, however, a scene where every single kid gangbangs Beverly in order to be strong and to beat it. So I thought at one point they were all going to kiss her and like bring her back. And that was kind of going to be the stand in for that. But only Ben did. And it was kind of cliche, like a kiss brings her back really. And I thought it was like unclear, like were the kids that were floating dead? Are they coming back down to earth and they're going to be alive? Like we all float down here is supposed to mean they float in the sewers, not mm-hmm. they're floating in midair. So that was a change that I didn't really like. That was something I had to figure out after coming out of the movie. And that's not what you want as a And I was like, are, are those kids actually dead? And then they're right. kind of like, they felt bad for Bill because Georgie was actually dead because he found his coat or whatever after the fact. But I was like, is he actually dead? What's going on? I don't I know. understand if these kids like were just floating because he trapped them and then he was going to eat them afterwards or what was happening? What did you find out? I mean, I saw it last night. I haven't done too much research on like what the hell was going on with these kids. They're, I believe all those kids are dead. So that's a problem I have then because the, the kids were, they're like, oh, the kids are coming down from floating. They're back. And they were like saying it's a good, like it's a good thing, but they're all dead. I don't know. That's the problem though is because I don't know if it's actually true. That's just sort of what <laughs> someone said on yeah. the forum. But you think that it's just, I don't know. I guess that is probably a big problem with the movie, not really just outright saying, oh, these kids are all fucking dead. So we're going to put a spoiler mark in the description here because we kind of veered into spoilers without even uh, realizing we did it. So um, we'll make sure to squeeze in something that says, at this point, we start talking about spoilers in the description. But mm-hmm. moving on, my final thing that I didn't like was there was a lot of, I guess not a lot of jump scares, but more jump scares than I thought, just accompanied by loud noises. There were a lot of times when, you know, Pennywise would grab somebody and it would go, and 
it's just cheap to me. I mean, you and I, I think, both agree on that. They didn't overdo it, and the movie had a lot of other creepy, creepy moments that didn't rely on loud noises, but I was kind of sad to see that they, they went the loud noises route many times. Yeah, I can I can kind of get on board with that. Part, for me, I don't entirely agree with that 100% of the time. Sometimes I'm okay with it, obviously, like when the buildup is fine. In this movie, I didn't really care as much, just because it was like pretty much constant terror for the first hour or so. So I was all right with that. And I think at some points you have to kind of forego that whole tense atmosphere thing and sort of like a creepy atmosphere and just sort of scare someone just boo like that. Yep. So I'm okay with that. And I like the rest to me, of the though, movie I don't enough. think loud noises are, are scary. They're startling, okay. but they're not scary. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I hear you. I get that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's about it for what we didn't really like. I, I love so it. So if you were to give it a rating, what would you give it? A to F. A. Not if yeah. if we if we can go like like if we're doing like plus and minuses, I'm not gonna give it an A plus, but I give it an A. I think I'd give it a, a B plus or an A minus. Mm-hmm. Um I had a lot of fun last night. Uh, since it's fresh on my mind right now, I'm gonna give it an A minus. Yep. If I think about it some more and you know, maybe some some issues will come to, to mind here, I'll probably end up at a B plus. But fresh in my mind, I had a I had a blast watching this yep. movie. It could have gone a lot worse. See the Dark Tower. But yeah, I I, I think I'd give it an A minus right now. Yeah, it's really entertaining. A lot of fun. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about our expectations for the sequel. Mainly, I think everybody's talking about who who's going to be cast yeah. for these kids, and I think I think that's a fun exercise. I've been thinking about it already, and and you got one uh, one girl in the bunch, and I think it's it's fine to start there. Uh, she looks exactly like Jessica Chastain. That's my number one uh, think, choice for. Beverly. I think she looks more like Amy Adams. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I, the problem for me, and this has been brought up a bunch, so you've probably heard it before if you've been following it. But people seem to want because most of these kids were unknown except for Richie, just unknowns for everybody. I think people want unknowns for adults, but you don't really want that as adult actors. And also, it's yeah. really hard to find unknown adult actors that can just that are good. seamlessly get in and be <laughs> perform phenomenally in a movie. Because if they're adults and they're unknown, like there's maybe a reason because they suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I get that. I would like a little bit lesser known. I don't know if I want all A-list actors for the main six. We're not going to get the Avengers cast here. Like, we're not going to get A-list actors. I would I would rather have, you know, maybe like one or two and then character actors. Yep. But, I think uh, otherwise for Beverly, Bryce Dallas Howard mm-hmm. also has red hair. Yeah. But like, you don't have to be, you don't have to only look at actresses that have red hair. Yeah. For for Bill, who who do you want for Bill? So Bill is the one for the audience here that is the stuttering one. I think, uh, and listen, I didn't come up with all these. Neither did you. Uh, I've been reading around, seeing what other people have picked. But I've seen Michael C. Hall from Dexter, Ethan Hawke, and Patrick Wilson. And I think all are, are really good choices. I think out of those three, I like Patrick Wilson. He's kind of skinny, just like that kid. And, and I think he's been knocking it out of the park acting-wise and role-wise lately. I do want to agree with that. I think Ethan yeah. Hawke is a little too weird to play the role. And I think Patrick Wilson is enough baseline to not, like, mm-hmm. overact it and be fine in it. Okay. Ben. He's the fat kid. <laughs> My favorite with Ben is, so they've been doing a lot of interviews with the actual kids that acted in the movie. And the kid that played Ben really wants Chris Pratt to play adult Ben. Oh, you know what? I love that. Which is funny because he's fat, but he gets hot when he's an adult, which is the exact <laughs> which is Chris Pratt. thing that happened to Chris Pratt. So yep. it's kind of like, I, I I get that, but I don't I don't know if I really dig Chris Pratt in that 
So slight spoilers for the second part. The fat kid kind of slims down and gets hot. Um, so Chris Pratt, I think, yeah, perfect example. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner, I've seen thrown around. Michael Shannon, uh, the guy who plays Jamie Lannister. And then I've seen Alexander Skarsgård thrown around, which would be funny. Yeah. That's, uh, that's its Pennywise brother. So that could be interesting as well. Yeah, I could get on board with some of those. I don't know about Michael Shannon. He's... He's too good to play that role. Yeah, he'd say no. So Richie, uh, the wisecracker, the uh, kid from Stranger Things. I've seen Jason Bateman. He's he's a funny guy, but he can really play drama really well. And a lot of shit goes down with these kids and and in the future. So I think that's a a pretty good choice. I do like Bill Hader, which is what the kid that plays Richie wants. Bill Hader is actually really good at dramedies as well. I mean, he's like a dead ringer for this little kid. Yeah, he's perfect. So it's perfect actually, because he's not. Now he's, that I think about yeah, it, yeah, he's not too big of a actor, too big of an A-lister or anything. He's good enough to play the role and just sort of feel right in it. Yep, uh, I've seen Seth Green thrown around as well. He played Richie in the TV miniseries, and he's about the age for it. Not a horrible actor. I think he could pull it off. I mean, he pulled it off twenty years ago. So you know, Seth Green for me, I think he'd be better as Stanley, who was the the Jewish kid and sort of the more yep. timid kid about everything. I think he would be perfect for that. Okay, let's move into Stanley then. Um, I've seen Jesse Eisenberg thrown around. He's yeah. got that fro going on and. Few, oh God, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anymore because I'm gonna reveal spoilers. But um, Casey Affleck, I've seen as well. He, uh, I think he'd be a good fit as well. Yeah, Casey Affleck would be really good, especially because of the voice. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like a, yeah, kind of like true. a, oh no, I hate like you a guys. Whi- yeah, like a whiny little bitch voice. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Yep. So let's talk about Mike. Uh, he's the only black kid in the group. I think I, I've seen Sterling K. Brown. He was in People vs. OJ. Yeah, people this is really us. want that. It's a really good choice. Yeah. Really, really, really strong. Uh, Jordan Peele. What do you think about that? I don't know if I like it. Too much comedy? Too much comedy. He's a good actor, but too much comedy, and I would rather see him direct a movie than act in a movie. What about your boy Donald Glover? Man, I would love to see Donald anywhere, but I also (laughs) don't think that he's good for that role. Okay. So Sterling K. Brown is is probably our choice. I have seen, um, what is his name, Harold Perrineau that was in Lost. Oh, yeah. I for some reason I can't take him seriously just because of Lost and the amount of times he screams Walt. <laughs> but if I remember him as Link from Matrix Reloaded, I can get on board with that. Yeah, yeah, no, a lot of people have said that. That's what I've seen, and I, I can kind of see it. I can get that. Yep, he's not too. Let's talk. Let's talk about um, a lot of people's favorite Eddie Kasprak, the sick, uh, the sick kid. Adam Scott, I think, is a great choice for that kid. Yeah, that is that is perfect. the most perfect casting I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's beautiful. I mean, the the like the facial structure, like yeah. it, it matches with that kid. He could play a, a really really good um, Eddie Casbrack. And then I've also seen Hugh Dancy thrown around. I don't. You watched Hannibal a little bit, I yeah. think. Yeah, um, I've seen a little I bit. think I think that'd be a good choice as well. Yeah, Adam Scott is. I don't know if you could look. You can't beat him that. as long if you if they get him on the call sheet, it's game over. That's it's yep. him. Finally, uh, it's up to, I guess, which direction the story wants to go in, whether Henry Bowers, the bully, comes back. Let's talk about him. That dude was fucked up. In the book, he's just as crazy. Um, But, man, I'm glad I didn't live back then where um, essentially being stabbed was part of bullying uh, because that that was a one intense bully. Yeah, I was going to say, that would hurt. First off, like, let me run to the police immediately. Yes, like, immediately. Yeah, that's also (laughs) huge out of pocket cost once you go to the emergency room just fucking right just spilling guts everywhere come on ben gets fucked up this movie yeah. like he gets the brunt the brunt of the stick here and he's friend zoned that sucks yeah there's no luck 
Anyway, Henry Bowers is the bully. I actually was like, where do I know him? And uh, Sarah, my wife, your sister, said he was in Captain Fantastic. Do you uh, Did you see that movie? I have not seen it, no. Okay, so I was like, where do I know this kid? He was really good in Captain Fantastic. Played a great bully. Really fucked up kid. Uh, I've seen Jesse Plemons thrown around um, just because, I don't know, the hair, I guess. Can't really think of anybody else, and, and time will tell if he's even in the movie, but Jesse Plemons, good choice, I think. <laughs> to be honest, another kid from, like, Stranger Things the oh the yeah. brother looks pretty similar and holy shit it's kind of right. weird enough to pull it off i think yeah i don't know if the, the age doesn't really work out but no that could work yeah depending on when the hell they shoot this thing. yeah i guess yeah all right so let's wrap it up actually we already we already gave it a rating you ended up with an a and i ended up with an a minus yeah as a book reader i'm a little more critical but yeah i had a blast probably my mo- the most fun i've had in a horror movie in a long time yeah and with that i'm actually going to go into mother exclamation point which i saw thursday night nice so it's a new darren aronofsky flick with jennifer lawrence and javier bardem ed harris michelle pfeiffer i'm not gonna go too spoilery with it because i don't want to ruin it for you andy if you're planning on seeing it and for our audience and for the audience i didn't like it that much although saying that it has stuck in my mind since i have seen it and i've thought about it a lot and I think that's mainly because it's a very metaphorical, symbolic movie, which at times is frustrating. If you figure that out during the movie, you're going to be really frustrated at it. And I think that was the problem for me because it doesn't fully work the way that I think Aronofsky wanted it to work. Man, I wish I could say more. I can't. It's really interesting the way that he works in all these metaphors. And I understand how they work, but there's some that just don't really work. And it kind of derails the whole aspect of it. There is without a doubt the most fucked up scene i've seen in a movie in a long time and when you see it your jaw will just drop and just be like because it's like it's a very (laughs) absurd moment and there could be people in your theater that are laughing at it just because they're like oh wow this is supposed to be absurd this is ridiculous and then it happens and everyone would probably shut up they'd be like what the fuck oh my god so i haven't seen neon demon but i heard the same thing in that movie which scene i think the scene uh mother is yeah wow yeah, so I think it's worth a watch. How were the performances? How was Javier Bardem and, and Jayla? Javier Bardem was really good. Ed Harris, Ed Harris was really Pfeiffer. good. Pfeiffer was really good. Jayla, not that great. Hmm. Interesting. And I'm not the biggest I'm not the biggest fan of her, but I think she's a good actress, and she just wasn't that great. I think part of it is because we were supposed to be seeing the movie through her eyes, and that's sort of how he works it with the camera. The entire movie is you're following her essentially every single scene. So that was part of it. That could be part of the reason that she wasn't that great, but when it was on her it was just kind of like come on yep come on jennifer uh soundtrack wise any any stand anything stand out there no nah, not re- i mean it was it was good it was unsettling there wasn't a lot of soundtrack yep. but when there was it is was, it very it like decent. jump scary no okay, no cool. more it more is. all about like atmosphere and tension yes and it is very opposite to what the trailers portrayed as which huh. pisses me off lately with marketing sort of really just pulling the football out from underneath Charlie Brown <laughs> as an audience member getting into the movie theater. But I understand why they marketed it that way, but it's going to, it's, there is no doubt in my mind that it's going to bomb at the box office. No shit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Not even like, so word of mouth is going to carry this one like Black Swan did. No, no. Word of mouth is, word of mouth is going to make it even worse. Oh, shit. I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, give me your rating A to F pluses and minuses are okay. What's your gut on this? <sighs> D plus. Wow. I did not yeah. expect that. Uh, when does it officially release? Is it is it officially out? Do you see a screener of it? 
No, uh, I just saw it opening night, okay. so it's officially out Friday, which was. September. Do you plan on writing a review, or you don't even want to get into it? I just don't even want to get into it. All right. Probably during during October, I'll talk about it, but not now. Well, there you have it. D plus for Mother, um, A and A minus for it. Looking forward to our next week's chat, but uh, that was podcast number one, guys. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, remember to subscribe, like us on freaking. Every social Facebook, out Twitter, there. Instagram, LinkedIn. We don't have a LinkedIn. Don't I'm do that. One. <laughs> um, thank you for listening, and we hope that you tune in next week. If you have any feedback, reach out. We'd love to hear it. All right, guys. Thanks. Talk to you next week.